Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, October 6th. Don't worry, we will have some actual sports takes this morning, but first we must check our temps with the Titans, and Monday turned up no new positives. After six days that produced 18 positive tests within the Titans organization, we had a clean bill of health on Monday, which puts the team one day closer to returning to the facility, which can happen on Wednesday if we get another clean day of tests. Mike Vrabel also confirmed that he was not one of the staff members who tested positive. So now we're simply in wait-and-see mode, either waiting for another positive test to restart the return-to-play clock or another clean bill of health. This has allowed us, fans and media alike, to focus on the NFL's handling of the situation, its handling of the pandemic writ large, and what exactly is the Titans' role in the outbreak itself. The league office was in Nashville last week conducting an investigation into how the outbreak happened, and should they deem that the Titans didn't follow protocols, then the team could face some form of disciplinary action. As an example, should the team not report symptoms or not wear tracing devices or not report a positive test, for example, then the NFL could, under the guidelines of the collective bargaining agreement, fine the Titans or worse, take draft capital away from the team. However, Buck Rising of A to Z Sports has reported that the Titans did in fact let the NFL know immediately about the positive test from outside linebackers coach Shane Bowen on Saturday morning prior to the Vikings game and the league okayed the travel to Minnesota for the game anyway. Seems odd considering the amount of contact and time Bowen would have spent with almost all of the players, including the player who appears to be patient zero, Greg Mabin. Mabin was a cornerback who was a free agent signed with the practice squad on Thursday the 22nd before the Minnesota game and actually practiced with the team twice before getting his positive test result two days later on the 24th, which landed him on the COVID list. This is where Buck Rising says that the breakdown has taken place. The main issue isn't the Titans' handling of the protocols, but the protocols themselves. I am at the point in all of this where I think the greater fault is on the league. Uh, And I know the Tennessee Titans followed the protocol according to what the guidelines that the league had set. And I think that the holes in the protocol are how we find ourselves in this mess. There were not proper protections put into place for teams looking to sign free agents off of the street and then have them go through a week of practice or a a certain amount of time in a meeting room in close contact with coaches and players. And I think this leaves teams, most notably the Titans at this point, very, very much exposed to where they can go through these things, where Cam Newton can test positive one day and the New England Patriots can still travel to Kansas City a couple days later because they are within compliance of the league's protocol. The issue is the protocol is flawed, and that's why I feel the greater onus is on the league rather than the Titans in this instance. Thanks to Buck Rising from A to Z Sports for giving us a few minutes of his time this morning. And this was going to be a place in the podcast where I played his second answer about what is the fix for the NFL, and he had a great response about how they need to have a longer onboarding process for free agents to come off the street and integrate into the locker room, practice facility, etc. for the NFL, because that seems to be have been the issue here with the Tennessee Titans, and of course, on Monday afternoon, the NFL sent out a memo to all of its teams doing exactly that. It does appear that the NFL is trying to address this hole in the protocols that has allowed something like the Titans outbreak to take place. Look, the NFL is a cynical, capitalist, billion-dollar industry that is always, always, always going to look out for its own best interest first before that of the players. 
We all know this already. It is and always has been baked into the game itself. And unfortunately, the NFL, like all of us, including the Titans, have never had to deal with trying to play a football season in the middle of a viral pandemic. There were always going to be mistakes, slip-ups, or unforeseen circumstances that simply weren't gamed out. Sure, could the NFL find some issues with how the Titans handled this outbreak, and could those issues result in a fine? Yes. The goal of which, of course, would be to send a message to other teams about being careful, and probably to legally protect their own asses as well, but it doesn't appear yet, however, that the Titans did anything egregiously wrong in this situation, and taking draft capital from Tennessee would be a breathtaking overreaction by the NFL, in my opinion. Once again, we are all in this together, and we all need to stay flexible. While the Titans have been dealing with their COVID issues, the football world has kept spinning around them, and don't look now, but there is some weird stuff happening in the AFC South. Houston and Jacksonville appear to be in some trouble. This is where I could rattle off all of Houston's bad defensive stats or teams they've lost to or bad trades they've made in the last few years that have led them to the own four start this year. But really, none of that is necessary because all that needs to be said is that the Texans fired head coach Bill O'Brien on Monday. And that his firing is the first time a coach was let go in the first four weeks of an NFL season since 2015 when Miami axed Joe Philbin. O'Brien's tenure in Houston will be studied by NFL historians with great intrigue, in my opinion. He had a bizarre relationship with power brokers in Houston as he eventually wrestled general managing duties away from the club, only to make trades that your average fantasy football player wouldn't make. But he also won four divisions in six seasons, including a few without a replacement-level quarterback on his roster. He finishes 52-48 and 48 as the head coach of the Texans, with only one losing season on his resume prior to 2020. Romeo Cornell is expected to take over as the interim head coach, and Jack Easterby, who has become the second most powerful member of the team's front office, is expected to stay with the team as the general manager. The Jaguars are only mildly better at 1-3 after just giving up over 30 points in back-to-back -back losses to both Miami and Cincinnati, two of the worst teams in the AFC entering the year. I guess one of them will have to get a win in Week 5, however, as hot garbage will face a dumpster fire in Houston on Sunday. Frankly, I don't know which is worse. Hot garbage doesn't really have any redeeming qualities whatsoever, and a dumpster fire technically could keep you warm on a cold night. So maybe Jacksonville wins? No, the real story in the AFC South, outside of the COVID results for the undefeated Titans, are the Indianapolis Colts and their defense. Indy moved to 3-1 and with a win over Chicago on the road on Sunday, and through four games, no one in the NFL has allowed fewer points than the Colts' 14 per game given up through four games. The Colts are the most efficient passing defense in the league, giving up a league-best 159 yards per game, a league-best 68.4 quarterback rating to opposing passers. They're fourth in the NFL in rushing defense, at just 77 yards per game allowed. We can keep going. The Colts also claim the number one third down defense in the NFL at 31.1% and are leading the league with seven takeaways already. The Colts' lone loss came in week one against the Jags, ironically, and Indianapolis hasn't exactly faced an extremely difficult schedule with wins over Minnesota and the Jets to go with their win over the Bears, so those numbers are skewed. But things will get far more interesting this weekend as the Colts will travel to face the surging 3-1 Browns in Cleveland on Sunday afternoon. The Titans will not face the Colts until week 10, but then will play them twice in a three-week span, and those two games, like so many years before, could decide the AFC South Championship. Make sure you check out football and other F-words every Tuesday from the guys over at Broadway Sports Media, an affiliate of 440 Sports. They got the All-22 breakdown from the win over Minnesota today, as well as lots of COVID reaction as well. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to my guys over there at football and other F-words.
Two other things to keep an eye on on Tuesday night in Nashville. The first round of the NHL entry draft will be held Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. The Nashville Predators have the 11th pick in the first round, if you'll remember. Both Kevin Fiala, Ryan Ellis taken with the 11th pick in the first round. Rounds 2 through 7 will be on Wednesday beginning at 10.30 a.m. And David Poyle should be active as the Predators have five of the first 75 picks this year. Adam Vingan and I will have a thorough breakdown of the entire Nashville Predators draft and a preview of free agency on our next edition of the Gold Standard, the best Preds podcast in Smashville, right here, of course, on the 440 Sports Network. Additionally, Nashville SC is back on the pitch tonight, taking on Minnesota United FC at Nissan Stadium. Minnesota comes to town after a 2-0 win over FC Cincinnati on Saturday, and the fourth-place team in the Western Conference has collected points in three of its last four matches. Gary Smith's formation should be interesting to watch tonight. Thanks for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe. My name is Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Tuesday, October 6th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler. Thank you.